Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Hope you have a great start to your week here on this Monday. Thanks so much for spending some time here with us. If you missed anything in the first hour, the Montana Football Hour, presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, Talking all things college football. We also heard from Travis Benham. Expected to be the starting punter for the Grizz. And Caden Dowler, uh, one of the two front runners to be the starting nickelback for the Bobcats. All of it is available on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is also presented by Blackfoot Communications, as well as the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. I was thinking last week, and, and we didn't get to this, but the uh, the... Probably the front runner, I would say, for the Heisman Trophy this year is Caleb Williams, the quarterback at USC. Now, for all the ups and downs and now this the completely, basically dissolving of the Pac-12, the Pac-8-10-12 has likely had as many Heisman Trophy winners as any of the conferences in college football, particularly just because USC has had so many Heisman Trophy winners. But I couldn't help but think how ironic and just silly it would be if someone from the Pac-12 wins the Heisman Trophy this year in the last year that the Pac-12 exists. And we talk about a gut punch for Pac-12 fans. <laughs> it's just amazing. We have to say that that Caleb Williams is definitely one of the front runners. I mean, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State's probably one of the early favorites as well. Blake Corum was the running back at at Michigan, probably up there as well. Um, who else? I'm trying to think of other guys just off the top of my head. Uh, Brock Bowers is the the stud tight end from Georgia. Maybe he could sneak onto the list as well. I mean, other other stud wide receivers. Rome and Dunze of, of Washington, so that'd be another <laughs> Pac-12 guy that could be a, a finalist. I'm looking at the, the All-American team came out today um, as voted on by the Associated Press. I mean, Caleb Williams is nasty, man. And uh, it, it's just... It's just so silly to me that, that USC... I, I, I We've debated it ad nauseum. I, I don't live... With my head in the sand, I totally understand why they're joining up with the Big Ten. I I just don't like it. I I just think that sports or otherwise, if the end-all, be-all to every decision that we make is based on money, if the number one factor in our lives is money at all turns around every corner, I just think that's bad for us as a society. I know that money has to exist for us to have commerce and for any and everything in the world to exist. I get that. You just have to have other factors as well. Like tradition and continuity and 
regionality. There's all these different things that all got deprioritized in the name of one priority, money. If you have a singular priority within any sort of decision-making, I just think that's objectively bad for your organization. We'll talk more about this with Justin Angle uh, on the business angle tomorrow. We're also going to roll on some NFL here throughout hour number two. But first, there was a high school football game in Missoula on Friday night at Washington Grizzly Stadium. It included no Montana teams. Instead, it included Rigby, Idaho, playing against Coeur d'Alene High School. And there was one young man who has a future in Missoula. Luke Flowers is the quarterback there at Rigby, Idaho. And uh, earlier this summer, he committed uh, to the Montana Grizzlies. Andrew Houghton was on hand uh, to take in the game. What did you think? I mean, how, how was the, the high school football action? Well, it was actually the second year in a row that I've caught this this exact game. Because they've the, done this a couple times, a right? A bunch of the Idaho schools come up here to play uh, the week before the Montana high school season starts. I know there was a game over in Butte as well. Uh, but so Rigby and Coeur d'Alene, who are two of the top programs in Idaho, Missoula's sort of a, a natural halfway point for them. So they played up here last year, too. It's just good to get back in it. It's good to be back in the stadium when there is an actual game going on. The level between those two teams is is usually pretty good, although I thought that they were both down from where they were last year. Uh, so if anybody listening cares about Idaho high school football, little tidbit for you there. Uh, it was just nice to be back in the stadium, you know, listening to the PA announcer, getting back in the rhythm of it, walking around the sidelines a little bit. It's a, it's a good time. I, I, this is just completely shooting from the hip, but how did the level of talent compare to Montana high school football? I know you haven't gotten to watch as much Montana high school stuff as maybe you wanted, but is it comparable? Is it better? I think at the very top level, it is a little bit better. Yeah. I think it's I think it's easier for those teams to fill out like a full offensive line. Yeah, uh, to have five or six or seven guys with sort of the weight to to fill out an offensive line. Again, I mean these are two of the teams. Rigby's the defending state champion, and I think they've won three out of the last four. I think they're a little bit down from where they were, but yeah, these teams would certainly be competitive at the real top level of of Montana high school football. I'm looking up the, uh, yeah, I mean, Coraline High School has about 1,800 students. That would make it one of the bigger high schools in AA. Certainly not the biggest. I think there's still a couple that are in the low 2000s. Like Billings West, I think, is still there as well. Billings Seniors probably getting up right around 2,000. But, like, to put that in perspective, Coraline High School certainly has more kids than any of the Missoula high schools. Yeah. Any of the Bozeman high schools. Probably the same about as Butte High. So, a little bit uh, increased numbers, but I, I, I agree. I do, I do think they have a little bit easier time of filling out the, the, the lines. That's a good point. I was looking at the kids lining up on the field before the game, and, and like you said, I haven't watched a ton of Montana AA high school football in person, but I was looking and I was thinking there are not a lot of teams in Montana just with this many kids on the roster, right? right. With, with the ability to dress out this many kids. So uh, maybe that's a point. I think there's also a couple factors in terms of these two specific schools. I mean, Rigby, Idaho, I believe that's a one high school town, even though it's a pretty pretty decent-sized town when you're, you know, for, from the perspective of a rural, you know, Idaho town. 
Uh, a working class town to be sure, so that always translates into good football. And Coeur d'Alene High School has great tradition. I mean, Coeur d'Alene High School has had some great coaches. They've had a bunch of great players. I mean, the the best player at Coeur d'Alene High School oftentimes has been good enough to play, you know, in the Pac-12 or the or you know at Boise State. So there's good there's been good talent there, and and I think it it means something there too. I I, I just think that you know if your team is perennially pretty good, that generally caters towards uh, having numbers. How about the kid who's coming to Missoula though? How'd you think Luke Flowers looked? Well, it was a it was a really interesting game to watch from him. I got there right about at halftime. Uh, so Rigby ended up losing this game 27-21, which is a pretty big development because, as I mentioned, they're the defending state champions, and Luke Flowers, I think, is the defending Idaho 5A state player of the year. Yeah. Uh, the quarterback who's committed to Montana. Uh, he threw four interceptions in this game, Coulter. Whoa. Now, one of those was, a, was on a Hail Mary at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. His first one in the second half, his receiver sort of slipped on a comeback mm. route, and the DB jumped it. Yeah, uh, but his his fourth and last interception was just a uh, he was sort of scrambling and floated it up to nowhere. Sort of uh, not a great play. Looked like he was trying to looked like he hadn't gone full speed in a game for a while, which makes sense. It's a season opener. Uh, at that point, I think they were down twenty seven thirteen or twenty seven six. After that one, he came back and, and he put together a couple really good drives. Uh, it's clear that he he has the talent and the confidence to throw the deep ball really well. Okay, He had a couple really nice deep ball touchdowns, including one in this fourth quarter comeback. Uh, he also, you know, led him down the field at the end of the game. Took the touchdown in himself, so so two fourth-quarter touchdowns for him. And, you know, I would have liked to see Rigby have a chance at the end. They nearly recovered the onside kick after his rushing touchdown mm. with a minute and a half left down 27-21. Uh, but the uh, the receiver on the onside kick couldn't quite keep it in bounds when it looked like he was going to recover it. Uh, so Coeur d'Alene was able to kneel it out. So a lot of a lot of positives a lot of negatives i think the biggest thing that you take away from that when when scouting luke flowers is just the way that he was able to come back it it was not his his best game in fact i think it's probably the worst game that he's played in a while cuz rigby's been so good and they've been smoking teams and he's been great uh so to see him come back from a little self-created adversity down the stretch of that game was really impressive and he he really did make some impressive throws i mean they got him on the run, moving outside of the pocket, clearly he has the uh, the legs and the arm to do that. Uh, he, clearly he's got the arm to, to hit the deep ball. Do we have something from Luke Flowers? If so, let's play it. Yeah, we've got about a, a minute and a half here. Cool. So we'll roll that. Committing to Montana, his first game here in Washington, Chris, for you, or had you played one here before? We played here last year. What made you choose Montana? I love, I love the culture here, the tradition, the fan base. I mean, you saw their ticket sales. They were, they were sold out on ticket sales again this year. So, I mean, it's just a great place to play football, and I feel that their um, offensive style and scheme suit, suit my face style. How would you kind of describe yourself as a quarterback? Um, just do what needs to be done. I mean, I can, I like that. I can make criticism that needs to be made. How did it feel like today just to be back out on the field in general, you know, playing playing for real again? It felt good. I mean, it, it didn't really feel real at first. It's a long offseason. Um, but that, that first game always kind of has that feeling of, like, you don't, you got you to see what guys can do. I mean, it's all, they're a bunch of mysteries in the first game. So 
Um, we just got to get ourselves fixed, and especially myself and what we do. Do you feel a target on your back from the other teams in Idaho? Just yeah, I mean, everyone wants to beat us. Um, when you have success, that's what happens. We just got to be able to um, work like we are still the underdog and just try to do it that way and see what happens. Do you have any connections at the state of Montana or the Grizz in any way? Not with the Grizz. My dad um, coached Montana State back when he was coaching college football before I was born. Um, and they lived up here, so, I mean, all of the rivals, it, uh, they, they kind of helped me out with noticing how, how good of a place it is and how beautiful the state of Montana is. I did not know that last tidbit that Luke Flowers' dad coached at Montana State. Did, did you look that up? Yeah, so he was uh, he was Mike Kramer's recruiting coordinator in the huh. early 2000s, okay. like 2001 to 2003. Aaron. Wow, bizarre that that was before this kid was born. That's exactly, yeah, that's what he said. He was like, uh, you know, we asked the follow-up question about like, oh, did that did that help me? He's like, yeah, man, it was before I was born. It, it right. doesn't really mean anything to that's me. That's crazy but yeah. to think that Luke Flowers was born in like 2006, probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, so Aaron Flowers is his dad. He, he okay. was on Kramer's staff with the Cats. I'll have to ask Krams about that. I was thinking about Krams yesterday. we got to get Krams back involved with some stuff this year. He's just so fun and uh, so entertaining on the radio. So as now, ESPN Radio, thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, one other piece of Montana news, which is actually very significant, Fisher Brown, who was one of the best players in the state of Montana last year, I believe he led the state in scoring all class. Uh, he's the son of a former Bobcat himself. His, his old man played hoops at Montana State. But Fisher Brown led Fergus County High School to the Class A state championship. It was a dream run. They went undefeated. They got redemption after losing on a buzzer beater the year before to Butte Central. Fisher Brown, though, will play his senior year elsewhere. He's going to the Wasatch Academy, which is down in Utah, right outside Salt Lake. This is brand new to me, Andrew. A a guy from Montana going to one of these big-time recruiting academies, basically, for hoops. The, the reason you do this is because you, you, you think that you're a, a D1 guy and you want to get on the circuit where you're playing against nothing but D1 guys. Wasatch Academies have produced some elite talent, though. There's, there's, like, there's like a guy from Wasatch Academy on like pretty much half the Big Sky rosters when you look across it. And, the, and those aren't even the guys that go big time. They got guys that go to the top level of college basketball as well. Yeah, this is actually one that would, that I have a little bit of experience with because... The top guy in Pocatello when I was there, Isaiah Harwell, who's a top 20 guy in the class of 2025 nationally, uh, decided to go down to Wasatch Academy to play the other uh, really big recruit in town, Julian Bowie, uh, who's heading over to Boise State next year. Uh, he was also a guy who was considering going down to Wasatch Academy. So it it's big time for sure. I mean, they've got players from... From all over, right? They've got they're they're drawing in talent from across the the country, but I think it really is starting to become more and more an outlet and a potential opportunity for kids in this part of the country, right? It's a it's a way to get a ton of exposure. It's a way to play, you know, more appropriate competition. Because up here in Montana, there's good basketball, but a lot of the teams you're playing in a varsity schedule. I mean, how many how many really good games are you getting? Yeah. In a varsity schedule, how many how many D one guys at the Class A level is are you Fisher Brown right. going against? You know, at the at the very most, optimistically, a couple, right? right. So most nights you're not. So I I totally get it. 
Fisher Brown was very complimentary of my, he's played on the whole on the club circuit and so he's been around playing with elite competition. I think that's first of all how he gets this connection and also why he has the confidence to make this decision. He was very complimentary of Montana high school basketball uh, when he talked to the the, uh, the Billings Gazette today. I'm paraphrasing, but he basically just said, uh, teams, it seems like schools around the country think that we're like the JV level, and I just think that's unfair. I think we don't get the respect we deserve. I think that Montana has a bunch of great uh, high school athletes, some of whom are basketball players, and I agree with him to a certain extent. Uh, but like he said, he, just, he wants to see... He, 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 Sometimes the game is bigger than you, right? That the recruiting game is way bigger than you. So even if you believe that Montana has great talent, uh, th- there's a structure and a system for this. We could go on a whole rant on how broken that system is. But regardless, if Fisher Brown goes to the Wasatch Academy and, and has a great season, he'll he'll get elevated uh, recruitment. He'll definitely get Division One offers. And so uh, I think that's why he's doing this. Yeah, I'm looking at their roster right now. I mean, they've got, besides Isaiah Harwell, who I think is the best player on this team, who's still uncommitted. I mean, they've got kids who are going to Kansas State, who are committed to Utah, committed to South Carolina, et cetera, et cetera. So you're playing on a team, basically, with with 12 other guys who have Division I aspirations. Yeah. And probably a majority of those guys are going to realize those aspirations. Yeah. It's just a different environment, and that's well. The that's th- the other part is you can maybe not even be a starter on this team and get a Division One scholarship because look, you're practicing with all Division One guys all the time. And Division One scouts are coming to look at every single one of your games, right. even if they're not, even if you're not on their list. You have the opportunity to get in front of guys every night that you're yeah. playing, and it's not, you know, I. I this is sort of the same way with that Isaiah Harwell kid from Pocatello. It's not a malicious thing to leave the town where you grew up and to, and to not choose to be as good as you can in Idaho or Montana. These guys don't have anything against right. where they're playing. It's just sometimes you look at it and you, you have the opportunity to elevate yourself going into college. It's really tough for those that you leave behind, right? I mean, you know. Now you're if you're Scott Sparks, the head coach there at Lewistown. Now you're just scrambling because you just lost your best guy. But again, I don't think I mean Coach Sparks talked to the Gazette as well, and he talked about how he was proud of, of Fisher Brown and, and and hopes he does well and thinks he's going to do well. And uh, so I, I just certainly no ill will there. It's just tough when you lose Royce Robinson, who's now going to Montana State, and uh, and Fisher Brown, who's supposed to be your centerpiece as you try to defend your state championship. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where Fergus County turns from here. Uh, last thought on this. If Fisher Brown would have stayed in Montana and just had a great year, average 25 points again for, for Fergus, and the fact he's got program ties to, to Montana State, you'd think he could he could be a Bobcat or, or a Grizz, right? So t- to me, this is also indicative of the fact that he believes, and I think other people probably around him believe, that he can go bigger than the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, I think that's something that has really, I think he's popped off a little bit this summer on the club circuit. I think he's been playing really well. I think he's a guy who's still growing too. He's like 6'4 now. Really great athleticism. I think on the summer club circuit this year, he's a guy who got in front of a lot more eyeballs. Yeah. And sort of when you're talking to coaches, recruiters, evaluators during the, the summer circuit, your universe expands a little bit. You start to become aware of new possibilities. Uh, and so I, I think that's probably, I think that's probably what it was. And I, you know, Coulter, I love it. 
I want to see guys from here looking further than Montana or Montana State because aside from the the very rare like Josh Hustis or, or Raleigh Wooster in basketball, it's been Montana or Montana State has been the ceiling for yeah. kids coming out of here. I think it's a good thing that that Fisher Price's universe has expanded a little bit here, and, and maybe he's looking out of state to go to school. I love it too, and I, we wish him the best of luck. We're, we'll try to catch up with him because I do think it's an interesting story. He's, he's, at least to my knowledge, one of the first, if not the first, guys I can think of that's done this, gone this route uh, in boys basketball, at least. Uh, some some Wasatch Academy graduates who who I uh, just off the top of my head can think of playing in the Big Sky Conference. Cody John, who was a starter at Weaver State for several years. Good guard, played opposite of Jarek Harding when Harding was chasing the all-time scoring record in the Big Sky Conference. But John was a good, productive player. And uh, one of my actually favorite guys in the Big Sky right now, Casey Jones, who's Mr. Goggleman that plays at Eastern Washington. Jones is my kind of guy because Jones, he's not going to do anything. He's not shooting threes. He's not handling the ball. He's not taking you off the dribble. Dude straight jumps out of the gym. He's an elite rebounder. He plays his butt off on defense. And he's like a guy that he can play on any team because he doesn't need to touch the ball. He, he can just bring the energy and, and uh, you know, get you a couple put-back dunks and, and all that. So, um, but, I mean, he's a great example of a guy that at Wasatch was uh, just sort of a role player there and still got a Division One scholarship to a Big Sky Championship-level team. Absolutely, that opportunity is going to be there. Last thing for me on this, Coulter, uh, if you want to learn more about this and sort of learn about sort of the the tug of war between staying where you grew up and, and staying um, with your people, with, with your teammates that you've grown up with, the coaches you've grown up with, feeling like you owe them something and chasing this opportunity, uh, a guy who we both know, Jordan Kay, who I worked with at the Idaho State Journal, wrote a great mm-hmm. feature about Isaiah Harwell trying to decide whether to go to Wasatch Academy or not. So if anybody listening is looking for just some more background on this place, some more background on the choice that Fisher Brown was was looking at, uh, just search Isaiah Harwell, Jordan K. There was a great feature story he wrote for me, actually, uh, in the Idaho State Journal called Ahead Above. Isaiah Harwell may be the best basketball player in Idaho. Will he need to leave the state to reach his potential? It's a great look at at sort of this dilemma. It's certainly an interesting phenomenon, no doubt. It's Nuanas now, ESPN Radio. Most interesting storylines in the NFL. Next, keep it right here. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues 
in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultilaw.com. You want us now on ESPN Radio. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. You want to be a part of the show? Text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Breaking news on the Twitter's machine today. The NFLPA, NFL Players Association, has terminated its relationship with Panini, which is effective immediately. If you don't know what Panini is, Panini is the card company that makes the majority of NFL cards. It's also uh, likely that P- Panini that they're going to terminate the entire relationship with Panini. Panini can no longer sell or produce any NFL cards with players, names, or likenesses. This is impactful if you're a card collector because it's going to make your cards inherently more rare and therefore then worth more money. This also maybe is a a, a spot where somebody else can broker a deal with the NFL that could be more of a monopoly when it comes to football cards. I don't know. We're going to track this. I'll have more information on what this means for card collectors uh, sooner than later. Stocks of NFL. We've talked about who we think is going to be good, who we think is going to be bad, who we think is going to win the division, some bold predictions, over-under win totals. We've played some fun games. But how about just the most interesting narratives going right now in the NFL, the most interesting storylines in the National Football League? These are in no particular order. Sometimes I like to do this. It's just like word association or it's, it's just a mental exercise. One of the things that came to my mind right off the bat, this is, this is an order of how they came to my mind in terms of interesting stories. I don't think that I'm necessarily ranking these like one through 10. These are just off the top of my head what I was thinking about with the NFL. The, the first thing that came to my mind was, was can Patrick Mahomes continue to ride this meteor that he's been riding on? And can he avoid the what seems like an inevitable plague of overexposure that that hampers it and sometimes completely derails the most famous uh, people in, in 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 the country and in the world? Text in from a, a listener, by the way, Fisher Brown's grandfather, who we were, who we were talking about in the last segment, Fisher Brown, uh, Lewistown product, who's transferring to the Wasatch Academy in Utah to elevate his recruiting profile. Fisher's grandfather played for the Grizz, Steve Brown. His dad, Jeff Brown, played for the Cats. And uh, now Fisher chasing his Division One dreams. This person says, get them all on the show. Three generations. That'd be interesting. And uh, certainly could be fun. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll certainly reach out to Fisher Brown to see if he wants to come on. Um, anyways, in America, so often, if you fly too close to the sun, you melt. Your star can only be so bright before then the overexposure and and the machine and the culture just chews you up and spits you out. 
Mahomes is riding as high as, as any quarterback in the modern era of the NFL and, and as, any, as high as any quarterback's ridden during the NFL period, I would say. I mean, he's, he's riding the wave right now. I mean, five straight AFC championship games. The defending Super Bowl champions won two rings in four Super Bowl appearances over the last five years. He's been, you know, top three MVP finisher for a handful of years as well. How long can it last? He's doing documentaries about, you know, his prowess as a quarterback and letting people in on his personal life. He's become so famous that his brother and his wife are are part of the conversation, part of the, you know, the lexicon. There's Eric Bieniemy moved on and is now with the Washington Commanders. So how does that impact Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs offense? The distractions are always going to continue to increase. The haters are always going to continue to come uh, to the surface. How do you navigate it all? It's why Tom Brady's so great because he got knocked down or knocked, you know, he fell from, can't really say fell from grace, but he, he, he won. I mean, he was the quarterback of the 2000s for sure, and the, and the Patriots won a bunch of Super Bowls. And then they were, you know, just kind of stuck in the AFC Championship game for a handful of years. Then they came back and they won a couple more. So his ability to sort of resurge to that point is what makes him the most decorated quarterback of all time. When does the dip come for Mahomes? Because it has to. I mean, maybe not. Maybe the guy will just be in the AFC Championship game for every year for the rest of his career, and, and maybe he'll just win 10 Super Bowls. But I don't think that that's sustainable in, in the modern era. And you wonder when uh, so much is too much. Andrew, am I making too much of this? Or what do you think of, of Mahomes? I mean, he's... He's proven he can handle it as well as anybody to this point, but there's always just pitfalls lurking around every corner when you become this famous and, and this uh, overexposed. There are, but I think that Patrick Mahomes and and everybody in that Kansas City Chiefs organization right, has sort of earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to handling those situations because it's been that way since... I mean, since that first Super Bowl, right? I think Patrick Mahomes has now been the most famous person in the NFL for, what, four or five years? Yep. Uh, and, and I think the other thing that's so important is they've sort of built up the infrastructure around him because it's not just Patrick Mahomes who's getting this attention, although he's getting a great deal of it, right? Yeah. It's Andy Reid getting that attention. It's Travis Kelsey getting a lot of that attention. Um so I think that the way that, that that those guys in particular have been able to sort of divide that attention, and I think that, that having, you know, I think that having Andy Reid there and having those expectations is actually a good thing for Patrick Mahomes, for right? Sure. Because it keeps you on track. He also has distinct advantages. One, his father was a professional athlete, so he's, he's had a, a blueprint for how to navigate all this. Two... Well, I know his wife gets a lot of heat for being really annoying on social media and stuff. She's a rock. I mean, you watch this quarterback. She's a stud. I mean, she's a great wife. You can tell they have a lot of stability in their lives. And I think another factor that people don't talk about is he lives in Kansas City, man. Like, the 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 bright lights of when you get the big contract and you're playing for the Lakers, that is so much more of a, a potential pitfall because you're going to be whining and dining with movie stars and guns, all these clubs you could be going to and stuff. Patrick Mahomes, if you watch the quarterback, Patrick Mahomes just goes home. He just he just goes home to his family and he has everybody over to his house and, and he's just chilling, man. There's not a lot of like 
famous people stuff going on when he's not at the you know on TV on Sundays. He's just chilling. He's just a dad that's going home. And I think part of that's because he's in a small market that's not like a glitz and glamour city in Kansas City. I think that's a huge part of it. I, I'll just say, Coulter, I, I would think that if he couldn't handle this, we would have seen it by now. That's that's right. And I think the most important. I think well, and, actually, and now now he's making so much money that, like you're saying, the the infrastructure around him, the Chiefs, the Chiefs aren't going to let him fail. Yeah, I think the mo- the more interesting question actually is, does the rest of the league have something new to throw at them this year? Right. Because we've seen either either last year or the year before there was sort two, of this two years ago, yeah, two years ago there was this trend going around of teams trying not to get pressure on him and just playing don't blitz him, drop that, eight that two deep shell yeah. against them and trying to keep everything in front of them so you don't yeah. get burned for a fifty yard touchdown. You make yeah. them put together ten play drives, yep. and clearly they figured out how to defeat that. So all well, the I mean, they also, I mean, they have the greatest guy in the history of football to defeat exactly that. His name's Travis Kelsey. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they have Andy. Reed, who's one of For the sure. greatest offensive minds in the history of football, scheming up these countermeasures. For sure. So what I'm watching is, what's the next step in the evolution of the rest of the league on the field? What are the defensive coaches around the league going to try to pull out of their hats now yeah. to try to slow down that offense? That, to me, is more interesting than whether Mahomes can keep it together off the field. Because like I said, uh, I think he's proven that he can by now. Well, it's now ESPN Radio. Talking all things NFL, most intriguing storylines coming into the year. The next one that popped to mind, and I saw a great interview with this guy, and he hasn't really been uh, in an in-camera interview in in a long time because it, it sort of fell apart for him for a little while, and now it's completely back off the rails. Lamar, uh, back on the rails, I should say. Lamar Jackson got the contract extension that not only he wanted, but he uh, that he absolutely deserved. The the sort of national opinion of this guy and, and how polarized it is, I think it says a lot in a lot of different ways about the way the NFL is covered and also uh, just the way people consume it. I think people that don't think Lamar Jackson's one of the best players in the league are are wrong. I, I just think that they're dead wrong. I think Lamar Jackson is one of the game-changing quarterbacks in the NFL. There's this whole narrative that he can't win in the playoffs. Well, he's also gotten to the playoffs three or four times. He's won a playoff game. He's only 26 years old. And, and, you know, he's already going into year six in the NFL. The the dude, it might be one of the best pure athletes in all of football. And now he's got security because he's got a long-term contract with guaranteed money. Now he's got weapons. If Odell Beckham can uh, resurrect himself and, and get back to full health, or Zay Flowers is a breakout guy, and you know Baltimore is going to be nasty on defense. You know they're going to be good up front on both sides of the ball because that's what John Harbaugh does. So I think people that are sleeping on Lamar Jackson, uh, I think you got to open your eyes. I think, you, you, you know, I, I know that he took a lot of heat for the way he dealt with the injury last year, but he's looking out for himself. He's a running quarterback. He, he needs the guaranteed money. He's taking heat for his playoff performances, all that sort of stuff. The dude is still as big of a game changer. Like to me, I guess what I'm getting at is, Andrew, if you were to ask like the common football fan who they'd rather have, Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence or Lamar Jackson, I think a lot of them would say those first two guys. And I think that's completely unfair. I love both those guys. I think both those guys have Super Bowl run potential in them. Well, Lamar Jackson, for what he's done already, he's already done it. He's already been the MVP of the NFL. I can't believe he's still so underrated. 
Here's the way I would say it. The only thing I think in my mind that you can knock Lamar Jackson for is health, right? I mean, that's the only question I have about him. If he's right. back to full strength this year and he doesn't get hurt again, I mean, he's already shown that he is like nobody else in the NFL. I mean, I, I know that we have seen, I know Josh Allen, great at running the ball. Sure. Jalen Hurts, burst on the scene but last year, great at running the ball. Lamar Jackson's peerless not, running the ball, though. Not mismatches in the running game on every play like Lamar Jackson is. Well, Lamar Jackson is the greatest running quarterback in the, in the history of the NFL besides Michael Vick. That's it. That's the one, those two. That's all. I think it is peak. Yeah, that's right. And and guess what? Lamar Jackson's way better at throwing the ball than Michael Vick. And he's already proven it because he's been the MVP before he's <laughs> exactly. gotten to that level. So for me, I just if he stays healthy, and it's a big if with him because of his style, because what makes him great is also again his biggest weakness here because sure. he's going to take some hits. If if he stays healthy. I have no questions about whether he's going to be able to get back to that level, and I also have no questions about how his best level measures up against the other guys in the league. It measures up really well. How valuable is Lamar Jackson? Did the Ravens win any games when he was out the last couple of years? I mean, I, I seriously think that Tyler Hundley lost like 10 straight one-possession games, and Lamar Jackson's going to win you seven of those at least just from being under center. No one's now ESPN Radio. We'll keep on doing intriguing NFL storylines right after this. Don't change the dial. Keep it right here. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. Nuanez now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanez, coming to you through the ESPN MT studio. Other storylines that I got my eye on around the NFL. Seems like every year there's a young quarterback or two who really breaks through. They go from that upstart rookie to then, you know, a, a real deal player. Or they go from, you know, that second-year dynamo to then, boom, one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. Who is going to break through? And I think that there's multiple teams that have multiple options as well. If those guys were to break out, they would really influence both the, the division, the conference, and the Super Bowl uh, races. Excuse me. I'm actually so proud of myself. I was having the worst sneezing attack before the show, and that's never happened to me on this show. You get the coughing or whatever, but I've never had the sneezes while we're live on the air, and I was I, I was so worried that we were going to have a sneezing attack during the show, but I hopefully that's the only one I had to get out of there. Thank, thank goodness for the mute button. Regardless, which young quarterback is going to emerge? I think there's a lot of primary candidates. Justin Fields showed flashes last year. I must say, I, I, I got a text from our uh, good buddy, uh, Ross, who's uh, a loyal listener and uh, an NFL aficionado himself for sure. I misstated last week. I said that Justin Fields is in a contract year. That's not true. Justin Fields has a couple years left on his rookie contract. I think part of my misstatement came from, I, just do, I do think it's a big year for Justin Fields. I think the Bears are really going to see what they have in him. And if they love it, Keep on moving forward, and if they don't, run them as much as they possibly can to see what they can get out of them and then and then chop them around. So uh, Fields is, is definitely a guy that I, I love Fields in college and at, at Ohio State. 
There's this cliche about Ohio State quarterbacks not being able to translate to the NFL. I thought Fields was going to sort of buck that notion. And then he struggled a little bit and then a lot, and then he sort of started to come around towards the end of last year. So we'll see. Other guys that I think have a lot of pressure on him, but also could get some big-time opportunities. Uh, Desmond Ritter, who's with the Atlanta Falcons, he's going to be the starter. They benched Marcus Mariota last year in favor of Ritter. In Tennessee, can Malik Willis, who was drafted out of Liberty, or Will Levis, who was drafted out of Kentucky, can either of those guys overtake Ryan Tannehill? What's going to go down in San Francisco? What if Brock Purdy wasn't a fluke? What if Brock Purdy's just legit and he's just good enough to lead you to the championship game like he did the 49ers last year? Also, what if he comes back down to earth, but what if Trey Lance blows up? That could have a huge influence on the uh, the NFC race. Is there any other young quarterbacks that that I'm missing that you're, you're interested in, in uh, knowing about this year? Yeah, well, I think you got to add Jordan Love to that list. And I you know all yeah, these guys do. are do. the second-year breakout guys, but Jordan Love is not a typical guy getting his first starts this year. Totally. Because he's been in that system and he's been around Green Bay for so, for so long. Uh, I think definitely another second-year guy who you're missing, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. For sure. Because uh, I just think they're, I just don't think there's any way they're going to be bad, and I think that if he is good, they could be quite good. Uh, the, it's, he is so. It's so funny to me how polarizing he is. Some people think he's really good. Some people can't get over the small hands, and they think he's really bad. I, I just laugh at that take, man, because I I think. I think it, it's not a nothing, it's not a complete nothing burger, right? Like it helps to have bigger hands if you're gripping the football, you're throwing it, you're playing quarterback, whatever. I just I just would need to see evidence that that has hurt him in actual football games to give that any credence. Right. He was so good at pit. I mean, so good at pit. I mean, he's a top he was, 20 pick, man. I mean, and he got some run with the Steelers towards the end of last year, and he wasn't great, but for a rookie quarterback who was, was good. Yep. who was not seen as a, as a top tier prospect coming out of college. I thought he was pretty good. The other guy on this list, and maybe he doesn't exactly qualify for this list, but I thought his breakout was kind of curtailed last year. And again, if he's healthy, uh, you could see him break out this year. I would still have Tua in a group with these guys, even though he's a little bit more established. But I thought with the injuries last year, his breakout was kind of cut off right in the middle. The injuries and also the, the, the narrative around the injury, too. Injury sets you back for sure. When, when the injury, though, is so graphic and horrific, and then it starts a nas- restarts a national conversation about traumatic brain injuries, and now the organization has societal and cultural pressure on it, as well as you know getting this young man's well-being back to, to center. It, it, it was a disaster last year for Miami from a PR standpoint and from a tangible health standpoint. So uh, I agree. I think the last guy you got to throw on this list – because I'm not quite ready to say that he's he's done yet. I'm not quite, re- quite ready to stick a fork in him yet. Is Mac Jones, man. Mac Jones has been... I mean, he's Post ridden the roller... Type sleeper. I mean, man, he has been riding the roller coaster. When they drafted him in the first round, everybody thought, well, what are you doing? That's a bad pick. And then during his rookie year, you're like, oh, he's pretty good. Tom Brady, who? Mac Jones is coming. And then he was so bad sometimes last year... But then, you know, I mean, they got Matt Patricia calling offensive plays. Matt Patricia's a defensive, a high school defensive coach, a defensive coordinator in the NFL. How is he the OC? What's going on? Bill O'Brien, I mean, I know he's not a very popular guy because he's just so gruff and in your face, and he was not a good head coach, but he's a great offensive coordinator, and I think he could take Mac Jones to the next level. I'm just not, 
I don't necessarily know what I think in terms of predicting what Matt Jones, Mac Jones is going to be. I just would not, I would not sign off on him fully. I haven't decided yet that he's bad, I guess is what I'm getting at. I like that take because you're right. You cannot quantify the negative impact of having not only Matt Patricia, but wasn't like Joe Judge, their other offensive coordinator last year. They were doing like a co-OC thing with two guys who had been lifelong defensive assistants. Exactly. And and Mac Jones is screaming at these guys on the sideline because he doesn't like the quick game stuff that they're calling, I just don't think you can you can quantify the toxicity of a situation like that. So I'm right there with you. You can't write them off yet. And when has that ever worked? Co-OCs. And <laughs> development is not linear. We'll say it all the time. We'll say it again. Yeah. These guys don't go in straight lines. That's Their true. development doesn't work that way. No, it's, it's totally true. Nuanas now ESPN Radio. Uh, a couple more quick-hitting ones. Justin Herbert, I think his next step is what Josh Allen took two years ago. And uh, if he does that, then all of a sudden now the Chargers are a real contender in the AFC and a real contender to maybe even win the AFC. Can he do it, though? He's the guy that like he, he went from promising rookie to upstart sophomore to elite player. Now can he go to, like, the top of the mountain? Uh, we shall see. And then on the Josh Allen note, can he reel it in enough to make another run? I thought Allen's sporadic nature and the way that he operates – his gunslinger mentality is his greatest strength and his greatest weakness. Sometimes he's very error-prone. Sometimes he's very sporadic. And uh, sometimes he gets you into trouble, but he also gets you out of a lot of trouble as well. It's Noah's Now, ESPN Radio. We'll be back at it uh, at 4 p.m. tomorrow. Jam-packed lineup coming up for you tomorrow. Justin Angle, a business angle. Chris Chudovitsky of Grizz Soccer. Allison Lawrence of Grizz Volleyball. Jeff Welch, 406 MT Sports. Uh, and a, a bunch more. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks so much for being here. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now <laughs> for the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.